This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Shall we begin? BFM 89.9, you are listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn Sharmila and Arvin. And today we are reviewing a new film that actually had a cinematic release elsewhere in the world, um, but didn't make it to the big screen here. It is out on Netflix, though. And it's a German film directed by Edward Berger called All Quiet on the Western Front. It's based on a uh, the novel of the same name by Eric Maria Remarque. It's also been made previously into a movie in the 30s and a TV movie after that as well. Yeah, it's a it's a war film. Um, to put it very simply, an anti war film. An anti war yeah. film would be much more accurate. Um, it's such a good movie. I'm so glad I watched it. Um, Lynn actually brought it to my attention because I didn't know this was being released on Netflix. I'd heard about it in festivals and so on. Um, I'm so glad I watched it, but I'm also so sad, and I don't know if I would ever really rewatch it again um but that doesn't mean that it's not a great film it's just a film that's very difficult in the themes it handles mm, it's very very difficult um very disturbing very heavy um very few movies make me feel guilty for snacking while watching the movie Same. Because I, to, I started right? having dinner while watching it and then stopped because i just couldn't I, I couldn't. I couldn't have like, you know, whatever snacking on. And I love to snack while watching movies. <laughs> this this movie honestly made me feel guilty, uh, not because of the movie itself, but because you start to remember that these are things that happen to actual people. Uh, these are horrors that actually uh, happen to like millions of real people uh, in history, in the world, right? So um, I don't know. It's just, it's pure nightmare fuel. Lah. I felt like two and a half hours of nightmare fuel. Uh, it attacks all your senses. It is very harrowing to watch. I think it's safe to say that, um, I don't know if this is a Netflix pure production, but it is the best thing that I've seen on Netflix in a while, if not ever. Because if it is a Netflix production, then I'm going to say that I cannot think of anything else that comes close. It's so engaging. It's such a big blockbuster feel kind of movie. Um, I, I would put it up there for sure. It's using their money for good. I think it's using the, the amount of production budget that they have in mm. the right way because it's a really, really beautiful film to look at. Um, I think it's worth telling what is maybe not the story, but the setup. Um, so the film begins with uh, with four young men, Paul, Albert, Franz and Ludwig, uh, who decide to sign up for the war. It's three years into to the First World War. And they decide that they're going to sign up. They're very excited about it. They're very optimistic. They think they'll take Paris. They think they're going to win. And very, very quickly when they get to the Western Front, they start to realise that nothing of what they thought war was was in fact what they were going to experience. Uh, they meet an older soldier, Kat uh, Katzinski, who befriends them. And after that, it's really just a, a, a telling of 
on the one hand, their experiences of the war and of loss and of making it through the trenches, and on the other side of the negotiation of the armistice, which is where the character played by Daniel Brühl comes in. Yeah, so it's significant, right, that it's World War One. It's significant that for um, most of the boys, frankly, being depicted in this film, this is their very first experience of this kind of conflict. Um, it's also interesting because we all know what happens. We know that World War One Germany loses. Yeah, we're on the losing side yeah, with this one. Yeah. And we're watching this from the perspective of the losers. So that actually is partly why this is so difficult to watch because the payoff with a lot of war films is that, yeah, they're going through all of this, they're sacrificing so much, it's so difficult, but in the end, there's a glorious like um, celebration or a, 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 a victory. And you know you're on the side of the good guys, Correct. I think, is the, is the usual simplification exactly. of it. Exactly. Where else in this one, you all already know you're not on the side of the quote-unquote good guys. On top of it, you know they're not going to win, but they're so human. Um, they're not, you know, the names that you just mentioned, Lynn, I'm not sure that I necessarily remember them individually. There's not a whole lot of uh, personal stuff that we hear about them, but it almost doesn't matter. You don't even need to like Paul, who's the lead character, but you find all of them deeply human, which is why I think you're left so affected by this movie. Also, it doesn't hide their age. Um, it doesn't yes. do anything. Yeah. To, They're 19, right? 18, 19. 18, 19. Um, and I think that's what I love, love slash hate the most, um, how they really highlight the age of most of the soldiers that you see. Um, and it's funny, right? Because when you watch war movies um, as a teenager, maybe maybe kid is too young, but as a teenager, soldiers always seem older. Um, they don't have like an age to them, but they always seem like full, fully full-grown adults um, at a certain kind of age. It's only when... For me, when I got to like my mid-20s, late-20s and 30s, that when I watch these war movies again, I'm like, these are kids. These are like kids out of school. They're like a bunch of old people are sending teenagers out to get blown to bits, basically. Um, and the movie doesn't hide that. I love that it doesn't do anything to filter the fact. Um, and I love that it doesn't do anything to filter the fact that most of these people have no idea what they signed up for. They have no comprehension of what is happening. They're just being sent out there. And it's brutal. I mean, once you, it, it once the realization sets in for you as an audience member, it is so brutal. You don't need to know a lot about the war, I think, um, to, mm. in order to appreciate how how difficult and how horrendous some of what they were going through was. Because the thing about uh, the First World War, of course, is that it was famously when a lot of modern weaponry was introduced. And, and, and that's partly why the loss of life was so great. Uh, there was also a, a senselessness to it in the form of trench warfare, particularly in, in this section that we're talking about. And the movie, without needing to hammer things home, without needing to to point and say, did you know that tanks were introduced in World War I? Uh, or without needing to say, did you know that hygiene um, conditions were horrible in the trenches? Makes those points really elegantly and brutally and viscerally. And so as a viewer, you're left thinking, go home, <laughs> you know, just, just don't yeah. be here. Like you almost want to be able to rewind to the start of the film and tell the boys as they're heading in to sign up, don't do this. Look at the uniforms they're handing you. Somebody died in that. Go home. Um, and I think that that's part of the, the film's triumph is its effectiveness as an anti-war message. 100%. Um, and and I the fact that the movie is in German, right, which might, I, depending on your appetite for foreign films, um, it might put you off, it might not. 
it, I don't think it actually really matters because it's not a terribly talky film. A lot of the emotional beats are very clear. The other thing is the movie, you know, stuff that you just said, the fact that they're being handed dead dead soldiers' uniforms. Uh, and, and, you know, they achieve that by just showing you the tag and then the ripping off of a tag before it's being handed off. Um, the fact that people's ages become clear because just from the way they say, they, there's a scene where people read out lists of names and birthdays. So very short, effective scenes that hammer home the important points without belaboring things. We keep saying brutal, we keep saying difficult. And that's not even because the movie is hugely violent. Certainly not any more um, or even close to a lot of the other war films we've seen. But I think it's because of how effectively the movie manages to convey the violence, the fear, the senseless dying that happens here. And also because it's weirdly claustrophobic for yes. a movie that's set out in the open, right? These wide open uh, battlefields. It's very claustrophobic because you you know that they feel trapped um, and they're stuck in this spot. There's no way out. They have to do this. They have to go out to the field. They have to fight and they could lose their lives. Um, and that's one thing the movie, again, like you said, like it's very, very effective. Um, I, I love that the movie wants to make a statement, which is an anti-war statement, and doesn't do anything to see both sides. So normally when we get war movies, it'll go like there is certain glory in war or there is a, there is a, a complete, you know, like the complexities of politics or why people are sent out there and, and you know, you know, some kind of any mission, right? Why, why people have to be killed like this? Um, this movie is not doing that at all, which I appreciated a lot. It's very different. Um, it wants to make a statement and it's just, it's going out all the way. It's like going, look, this is ridiculous and this many people died and there's so much violence um, and we don't even know why. Most of them don't even know why. Um, and I think when that sets in is when you go like, oh my God, like, like what is happening? Like, how does anyone make sense of anything that's going on um, in this space, right? So it just like, you know, it just in stages that slowly starts to happen for you just watching it. We're talking today about All Quiet on the Western Front, which is on Netflix. It, it did get a cinematic release elsewhere for a brief period, but it is a new film. It's just that, yeah, it didn't make it to our shores. Uh, let us know if you have watched it or if you plan to. We highly recommend. Um, you can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Beyond Frivolous Matters, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, you're listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn Sharmila and Arvin. And uh, today we're reviewing All Quiet on the Western Front, which is a German war, anti-war film, um, really, that was directed by Edward Berger and also, by the by, scored by Volker Bertelmann because um just wanted to bring up as many German names as possible. <laughs> it's a German production. Uh, but also because, I mean, as you hear there, I think the music... I don't want to say the music does a lot of heavy lifting because that almost makes it sound like the music's carrying the film. I feel as if the film as a whole does a lot of heavy lifting, but the music really plays a big part. The music was amazing. It was melancholy. It was emotive. It was scary the way it just sounded there. Um, 
I, I just generally think the level of artistry and the level of care made to tell the story well was so high. Um, another person that I really wanted to give props to was the cinematographer, James Friend. Not a German name, British. Friend. It's Friend. He's British. I checked. He worked in... <laughs> <laughs> um, but oh, the film looks gorgeous. It's shot so beautifully. Um, but in the same way that the music is used to evoke this, all of these different emotions, the cinematography as well is so clever in the way it sets up a scene. And on the one hand, you get this beautiful landscape shot of a forest or people walking through um, a snowy French landscape. But then at the same time, you're wondering are these people going to live or die? Is something going to happen that you don't expect? Um, yeah, the it, flares at night. Yes, um, the Ooh. flares at night, the shots of the trenches from above. Um, just such a beautiful, beautiful looking film. Beautiful looking film. And uh, the music is one of those things like, you know how some soundtracks or there are some scores that you can listen to on their own. Like you don't have to watch the movie. You can like have them on Spotify or YouTube. I don't think this is one of those scores. It goes so well with the movie that you need to have the visuals to fully um, to fully appreciate and to understand what the music is trying to do. Um, and it's so it's so minimal. Like the music you just heard is basically most of the movie. Um, it, it, whenever it comes up. And then there are bits and pieces here and there, right? Um, I also think the movie can be classified as a horror movie because of of, of what it's trying to do, uh, because of the trying uh, the emotions it's going for, um, and also because it's so um, claustrophobic in a way. Like, you know that they are stuck in a certain place, you know that they can't get home, um, and they are forced to do certain things that they don't want to do, right? And they could lose their lives. Um, I honestly think because of the music, because of the cinematography, it is it is kind of like a horror movie. Like, it could easily fall in that bracket. I think the the build-up to something bad happening and you as the audience member kind of clutching your sofa, hoping that doesn't happen. Is but knowing there. it will. Yeah, very reminiscent of horror. Yeah, and um, like good horror. Or, or, well, that's not to say that jump scare horror isn't in its own way good horror, but it's not jump scare, right? Because it's war. Um, you, you know mm. that things are going terribly, you know that these are boys who are going to be asked to do things that they don't want to do against people who are being asked to do things that they probably don't want to do. And um, all of that culminates in a third act, I think, that is as horrific and horror-filled as anything else that you're likely to find. And it's why partly the cinematography matters so much, because um, that sense of claustrophobia contrasted with the, the openness or the open skies from which bombs fall without warning, um, from which you might look up and see a body in a tree. Mm. You know, oh, these, yeah. these sorts of things um, really... It is the contrast and the, the swing between the two that also go a long way towards informing the story. I did want to ask, though, and this is something that we mentioned earlier. So this for us is a streaming only thing. Um, do you, Would it have been better on a big screen? Would it have been better in the cinema on IMAX? I say yes, um, for many reasons, some of which we've covered. But I want to use one example, right? About a third through the movie, I started realizing that the movie used like blue and bluish tones in a very specific way. Um, and it's mostly to convey things like something being sick or, or um, you know, death or fear or this sort of hopelessness. And that... Sometimes it's in their eyes. It, yes, the, the blue of people's eyes or, or you know, mm. in a much worse scene when people are poisoned and then they all turn blue. Um, and I just thought, how 
amazing would this look on a large screen and how you'd be immersed in the feeling that the movie wants to create. And that's just one small example. Um, I definitely think this is a big screen film. Same. Um, so when watching this, right, so I like I know it's on Netflix and the reason we're able to watch it is because of Netflix. Um, so that's the only way we can enjoy this movie. But just watching it, like even within the first 30 minutes, I thought like this has to be seen on the biggest, widest screen that you can find. You need to watch it with like surround sound or the best kind of sound calibration. Um, it's that sort of movie. La. And it also made me realize that there are serious limitations to streaming services. Um, again, I know that's the platform. I know that's the only way most people are going to get to appreciate this movie. But it's just, it. there's no way. Like, I don't care how big anyone's TV is. It's not an IMAX or it's not a big screen. So those, I think, are like the perfect platforms to watch something like this. Because it really has like a war epic, uh, anti-war epic blockbuster feel. So... I think we need to talk about the performances because, mm. um, we, you know, at the start of the show, Sharmila, you had mentioned, and I agree, that the the guys, their names, it takes a little while for you to even know who they each are. Even though they talk about it to one another. Or they're sadly, like, they're gone before you, you yes, get them. Yes, yeah. this is true. Mm. Um, you know, but there are moments where they're like, oh, go ask Chaden, you know, to, to get something. And I'm like, which one? <laughs> um, you know, and it's a lot of guys. It's a lot of guys. Uh, there are no formal introductions. It, so it takes a while for you to acclimatize to who they are. But the thing is that the reason why you buy into the fact that they are all they're a company. Um, and of this company, there are people who grew up together who are now starting to realise that they're never going to be normal again, that they're never going to go back to a space where they were who they were before this. Um, the reason why all of that works is based is really on the strength of the performances. And I wanted to especially highlight um, Felix Camera, who plays the central character, Paul, uh, as well as Albert Schuck, who plays um, Stanislaus Kaczynski or Kat. Uh, because the two of them are, I think, together the beating heart of the whole film and you watch them commit atrocities you also watch as terrible things are done to them and you really feel everything because they have these great intimate moments and conversations that we recognize as being just regular people who got swept up in these events that they have very little control over. Felix Camera is so good in this role. Um, he is the thing that carries you through the story, right? You're with him from the beginning till the end. Um, and the way he emotes, the way he conveys so much uh, by not even saying very much, but also the the tremendous physicality that something like this requires, right? Having to reenact actual uh, battle scenes and they look so difficult and there's, you're just, I don't know, you feel everything he feels. You feel like you're there going through the things that he's going through. I mean, you just see, you look at his face and the way that he's not doing much, but he's just looking at the camera and you can feel all the trauma that he has gone through and you know that he's in a, in a space that sometimes he's just completely checked out. Um, you said emote. Uh, there is like this one scene where he forgets how to emote. He forgets how to speak or, or how to control the volume of his voice. He's just yelling things left and right because he's just in that space, right? He's in, he's in the middle of a war. Um, I will say though, with the two of them, there's one thing that I realized that the movie does this thing where... I think it sacrifices motive for its message. Like it wants to get a message across. So it gets certain characters to do certain things that they might not really do logically. Like there's no logic to some of the things they decide um, at certain times. So I think in some ways, the movie really wants to hammer the message home. Like, you know, this is what it's about. And then you're like, no, I don't think anyone would do that 
in the right mindset, but I don't know if they're in the so, right mindset. So that's the thing. I was thinking about this and I, I think that ha- that has to do with the chain of command. Um, and this idea that of mm. like hammering home, uh, not just the anti-war message, but the fact that in wartime, what a human would do mm. and what a logical human. And Paul's intelligent. We, we find this out uh, and it's d- yep. displayed in a number of ways through the film. What an intelligent, logical experience by now with war person might want to do or do is very different from what a soldier has to do in a chain of command because really what we want them to do is desert yeah like why don't you just leave and go home but chain of command is one the other is they're all clearly shell-shocked right they're so traumatized so when you say we don't know whether they're in their right mind actually the film does a great job of showing us most of the time they're not they're not they're not they're not they're not even thinking straight like most of the movie right um, also, finally, I know this movie uh, uh, sort of like highlighted Daniel Brühl uh, a lot. It's like a lie. The, it, it's a lie. It's a lie. He's a like cameo. Good, he's a cameo. He's a glorified cameo. Uh, he plays a very important role, but it could have been anyone. I think Daniel Brühl's just in there because he is Daniel Brühl um, and his MCU bill Daniel Brühl of high. Captain America fame. <laughs> of Captain America fame. Look, he was good. Daniel Brühl is good, good in everything. Didn't awesome. need to be there, you know, and I wouldn't even say enhance the film all that much. It's not his story. It's Paul's story. I mean, I noticed he was left handed. Like that was the first. Oh, nice. Yeah. I didn't think about that. That was, that was what I noticed about Daniel Brew. I wonder if that was like a, a creative choice on Brew's part. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, this this would one. I think if I had to choose five movies to recommend this whole year, this would easily be in like the top three, right? Like I think everyone who has Netflix as a streaming service has to watch this movie because it's so, so, so good. I think it's a better film than 1917. 100%. I was just thinking yeah, about I mean, 1917. I agree. I think it's a better film than Dunkirk as well. Agree. Yeah. It's probably one mm-hmm. of the best um anti-war films I've watched. Yeah, um, which yeah. is to say, I don't know if we've made it sound good. Um, and it's a tough film and you should go in knowing that, but watch it. Um, we've been talking today about All Quiet on the Western Front, which is available on Netflix. Um, let us know if you've watched it, if you plan to, if war movies are your thing or not so much. You can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio and write to us at movies at bfm.my. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.